This is 105.9 The Region, and you're listening to Discovery, the radio show for podcasters. Your content, unfiltered. This is Discovery. This is Mental Health Moments, the podcast dedicated to breaking down barriers and sharing your stories. Brought to you by 105.9 The Region. Welcome to Mental Health Moments, brought to you by 105.9 The Region. I am your host, Phil McCabe. This podcast, in my opinion, is designed to share as many stories as humanly possible and really delve into how mental health impacts so many different people in so many different ways. And today's guest is someone I'm very excited to talk to. He's uh, the baddest nice guy I know. He's <laughs> just an all-around good dude, a philanthropist, former pro fighter, and, and well-known person here in Durham Region. Justin Brockman. Justin, welcome to the show, buddy. Thank you. I appreciate it. If you could summarize just quickly the, the kind of emotions and feelings that you go into leading into a fight and kind of how that compares to everyday mental health and, and the things you experience as, as a dad, a business owner, all those things. Probably better at, better like a better question is like, like more on the martial arts side of things, you know what I mean? Because okay. uh, that's, that's really what creates uh you know, resilient and any chucklehead can get into a fight after the, after the bar, you know what I mean? But become a, mar- a martial art, a martial artist uh, is a lifestyle, which, you know, uh, promotes good health mentally and mentally and physically and whatever else. And the, the fighting part of that is, is, um, is much further down the line. I said, it doesn't, it, you don't have to be a fighter to be a great martial artist. Right. But, uh, and you don't have to be mentally strong to, to, uh, to really step into that ring or cage. Sometimes you just, it's, it's, it's a bad, bad decisions or bad advice you were given that put you there, but the martial arts lifestyle is, is the life that will put you on a, um, a path for a strong uh, mental health for sure. Okay. And, and kind of piggybacking off of that, do you yeah. think looking back on things that your, your time as a martial artist has given you like better mental strength as well as physical strength or are there other parts that helped you improve that as well? What has, what has taught me over the years as being a fighter and a, and a martial artist is patience and tolerance for people. It's got, it's, it's created a lot more respect for others and a lot more respect for people by just giving you the patience to learn and give, giving people a chance, but we're on the mats and we're all training together, whether it's recreationally or get ready, getting ready to compete. Um, we're all the same. We're all equals. Oh, absolutely. Like I hear you say that. And uh, earlier in the week um, ahead of, I, I heard a former opponent of your George St. Pierre talk about how he regretted not mending fences with Nick Diaz. Kind of piggybacking off of that, do you find as you've got more involved as a martial artist, as a fighter, as a business owner, that these things have helped you kind of look at various knuckleheads causing a scene and be like, oh, whatever. It is really easy to sit and judge people without knowing what's going on behind the scenes for them. Um, so I tend to cut people a lot more slack in, in any given situation because it, it, you really got to look at things from, from the other side. I mean, you know, some guy flips you with the bird in the parking lot and like, you don't know that it's, if his mom died that day or what he's going through or how much he hates his job. Like he's got feelings in a life, just like you, what has really uh, been uh, healing for me over the years, which because of the respect it's given for myself is to go back to uh, relationships that I had earlier on in my life and, and apologize to people, you know, for things that I've done and maybe harm that I've done. And, and, and what I learned is um, that's not necessarily for others, that's 
for myself, help mm-hmm. myself heal. I saw on your Instagram that you you kind of share some highlights from early on in your career and mm-hmm. even training young people now. You uh, The one post that kind of jumped out at me was you were sharing a video of one of your fights and you talked about how it looks like chaos on the outside, but for you, yeah. it's peaceful. Do, can you try and explain that? Because I, I want to <laughs> understand what that meant. Like I, I, inner peace is difficult for everyone. Oh, and for me with the, the childhood I had and uh, some of the things I experienced and the trauma, stuff like that. And, and also the way my brain works, like I, I don't, I have a short attention span and, and, uh, and I don't sit still well. And I'm always, I'm bombarded, no matter how quiet it is, it's always loud in my head. But when I fight, uh, nothing else in the mat in the world matters except for that guy right there. I don't have time to think of all these outside interferences. If I do and I blank, I'm gonna get hurt, or I'm gonna lose, or I'm gonna be embarrassed in front of my friends or on, on television or whatever else. So for me, I focus all the turmoil that happens in my head. I can focus it and train for that specific moment. And when I so when you finally get there, nothing else matters, and it's just I can't explain it other than it's like kind of in a fishbowl, you know, it's quiet. You can, I can hear my corner talk to me and I can, you kind of, every once in a while, you kind of, you can, you've recognized and you hear a collision between the, you and your opponent and the breathing and everything else, but everything else is dead quiet. That's the benefit of martial arts. It allows you to a few days a week, calm your mind. And for me, it was just that extreme calm or everything just kind of comes together and makes sense, whether you win or lose. Like there's 15 minutes of your life where nothing else matters. You, given the cards you were dealt, given the experience you have, it makes sense for your way to improve the world around you is to to teach these things that you know how to do. And really, yeah. obviously you're not a doctor or anything like that, but I think the impact you have on other people's lives is, is life-altering in, in a very positive way. Because I doubt mm-hmm. anyone leaves a jujitsu training session or any kind of training session like man my life sucks now uh i think that with with sports and martial arts like uh, like jiu-jitsu and judo and wrestling like when you can learn to go into that room and deal with the problems that are being thrown at you then the rest of your day and all the other stresses in your life become a lot more manageable you know what i mean because you've already dealt with someone's already tried tried to kill you today but what else could go like that's easy. Everything else is easy. You know what I mean? And just the, the grind and the work ethic involved becoming any good at it. Like, well, it just transfers everywhere in your life and it just, yeah, it makes everything more manageable and people more manageable. And, and yeah, you just, yeah, it just makes uh, life a lot easier when you train. I like that you said that too, because it kind of puts everything in perspective. You know, you could be going from literally getting choked out to, dealing with a, a crummy coworker and it just, it doesn't seem as bad. You know, I, an hour yeah. ago I had someone's arm around my throat. This is okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 It is. Or it flips the other way. You've had the worst day at work and then you go to the gym and someone tries to kill you and then you go home for dinner. Like, no, I, I love it. Now, Justin, I don't know if you knew this, but you, your fight with George made it into his UFC hall of fame video. Did you know? Yeah, that? I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. So It's funny. Someone brought that up. Someone brought it someone always brings the George fight up. Some kid I ran into yesterday. He's like, Hey, you fought George 19 years ago. I'm like, yeah, thanks man. <laughs> Thank I've you seen, for I've reminding seen, me. <laughs> I've seen it. 9 million people have seen that on YouTube. I get it. Uh, but yeah, I, it's, I thought it was, it was pretty cool. I, it was, I was, uh, I did an interview with someone right after that and it came up. I'm like, you know, that I used to be bitter because I lost 
you know, mm-hmm. but that guy's going to, he's the greatest of all time. He's going to beat me every time. Sometimes you just lose to someone who's better, but I'm like, I'm part of, I'm part of his legacy. He's went on to become, you know, arguably one of the greatest of all time. And I got to be a part of that ride. You know what I mean? Like, and I got no shame in that. And looking back throughout my career as well, I'm like, the wins and the losses become kind of irrelevant. You just kind of look back fondly on the time that you get to spend, you know, in between the bells and just act like to me, fighting is fun. Winning is just a bonus. No. And that makes sense. But the the reason I brought it up is not so much that you, you fought a very renowned person, but do you find that, you know, you look at things like the UFC hall of fame video. Do you find that when you look back and think of the fact that, all of your opponents and you have this shared moment in history have, you know, like you were saying before, nothing else mattered in during that fight. Do you find that that's something you look back on and enjoy, or do you find that it's, it's, you know, just bringing up bad memories when it, Oh no, my God, nothing, nothing but joy, man. When I run into guys who I like, who I competed against years ago i run into my different fights or events man if like the hu- there's hugs man there's nothing but smiles and hugs because that is uh whether you win or you lose that that is it's hard for people to understand who haven't done it for understand but like it's a beautiful moment man that you guys got to share and for me when i fight if you you got the same dream as me how can i not respect you and if you put in the work that I have, how can I not respect you? So there's, there's always love there, man, for sure. Anytime I ran into George a couple of years ago at a fight and I'm like, holy crap, the hugs and pictures together and see what another former opponent, David Lavazzo, like we keep in contact. Like I like almost every guy I ever fought. You know what I mean? Like, man, how can you not when someone wants something as bad as you and or wants that same dream, you know, you're probably very similar. So yeah, I don't know. I, I look back with nothing but nothing but love for everyone I ever got to compete against. Uh, and, and I'm happy to hear that because I, I think outside of the fighting world, I think there's so much just unnecessary animosity, so much, uh, you know, even looking at my own career. When I was a college student, I saw a, a classmate of mine got uh, an internship at one of the big radio stations and he was perpetually talking about it and I couldn't help but feel like, oh, this guy took a job from me, but mm-hmm. it's like, but now in hindsight, it's, no, oh, he just worked a little bit harder. He was just a little bit better for that position. And yeah, you know, his successes don't take away from my career. Somehow we end up programmed like that though. You know what I mean? Like oh, crabs in a bucket, but it doesn't have to be that way, man. I want, I want, I want, I want good for everyone. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like a try, like, of course, everyone's got that little bit of envy or jealousy in them or we're just humans. But for the most part, like when I see someone succeed, I'm like, hell yeah. And even more important, I, I line myself up with people because I want to be a part of their success. You know what I mean? I want like, that's part of the reason I do a lot of things I do. I want to see people do well, you know what I mean? And, and uh, you know, a lot of times when people do see your t-shirt, you know, or, and they, or they have something to say that's, and the re- probably the reason they're, they're smiling is because I did, I, you know, I actually got to part, play a small part in wherever they are now. I, I like that we've just talked about uh, helping people find their success because I've got a bit of a tradition to, to wrap up the show and I hope you'll indulge me. If, if someone out there listening is kind of struggling 
either mentally or just struggling in life, what would you want them to know? What would you want them to hear right now? Sometimes you just got to get up and you get, you got to, you got to get to work. Uh, you know, you can sit and spend your whole life being a victim, victim and blaming uh, things on other people, or you can be, you know, a survivor and, uh, and make something happen. Like we, we all got to get up tomorrow, no matter what for me. Cause I, I have a lot of things meant with mental health that I, that I, that I struggle with. And what gets me through is man, if you're having a bad day, go help someone else. You know what I mean? So, so that maybe they're not feeling like the victim, right? Everyone, like everyone's got something, right? So just, just be kind as hell. And, and help people out and that'll help you get going to where you go or what or over whatever hump that's got you caught right so just don't be a victim man be to be a survivor and get moving oh that's a that's a perfect note to close on justin i i appreciate that sentiment no problem. because I, I genuinely wish that more people thought that way it just it makes so much more sense to force yourself to be better than you were yesterday yeah and kind yeah. of keep that cycle going Yep. You know, every, and everyone's going through it, man. I put myself out there because, and I talk about things because I've, I've suffered too. You know what I mean? Like sometimes it's hard to get up in the morning and sometimes it's okay to, to stay down for a day, but you got to get the hell up and you got to keep going. Perfect. Thank you very much, Justin. I appreciate oh, my your pleasure. time. Yeah, man. We'll catch you soon. If you would like to be a guest on the show or you just want to share your story, either publicly or anonymously, you can contact me at phil at 1059theregion.com or you can reach out to info at 1059theregion.com. Until then, I close with You Are Loved. This has been Mental Health Moments brought to you by 1059 The Region. If you or someone you love is struggling with mental health concerns, contact a local agency near you. Do you have an idea or a podcast to share? Send it to us here at Discovery, the radio show for podcasters on 105.9 The Region. Hi, I'm John Luca, host of the Famous Friends podcast. Join with my friend and co-host Selena. We want to showcase and recognize the talent among our friends, discussing real stories of hard work and success. Listen to stories of knowledge, passion, and determination. Our next guest has over 10,000 hours of flight time. Join us as we hung out with our famous friend and commercial airline pilot, Mike Patrick, as he explains to us the spectacular weather phenomenon of St. Elmo's fire while on a flight. Being up in the skies, you must see some really cool sights. Like, you know, have you seen like lightning strikes? Have you seen, what have you seen? Um, Can you just mention something first? Sorry, before you get into that, your name right now on Google is flight level photography. Oh, is it? Yes. That's that's right. Really? Now you can get into it by saying you actually take photos sometimes of these cool Uh, spaces that you get to see. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I guess I've always even had a little bit of a, I guess, a photography bug. My uncle was a photographer and an artist and actually so was my aunt. But I mean, I think that was a big thing is when I first got a digital camera, I'm like, oh, I can bring this in the airplane with me. That's kind of neat. And it's funny because I posted a video on Facebook the other day that I took years ago when like you had those big clunky digital cameras and the video quality is so bad, but it brought back all these great memories. Um, (laughs) Yeah, in terms of things that I see, I mean, it's, And I guess if you've ever flown in a small airplane, if you fly over something you're familiar with, it looks completely unrecognizable from the air the first few times you do it because there's also that extra dimension now. It's like, I'm pretty sure my house is right there, but I don't remember it looking like this. So, I mean, everything takes on a different perspective. And I mean, for me, 
I'm pretty lucky. I think, well, I'm very lucky to be doing what I do, but I think in terms of the views, it's some, even just simple stuff for me. Like uh, I kind of wrote this down when I was going through stuff, but again, it's the Rocky mountains to me are probably one of the most beautiful parts of Canada. Um, yeah. They're, if you see them from the ground driving through the highways, you know, they're just awe-inspiring. Right. And I think maybe just seeing it from the air and giving that different perspective, it's just, it's, it's hard to describe. Um, during the summer, they're beautiful during the winter though. They're almost a little bit more beautiful because you kind of get that mix of like the crisp white snow and kind of the glaciers and that kind of stuff. So that's probably one of my, probably one of my favorites. I'm kind of biased because I spent so much time out West, I think as well. Uh, the Northern, the Northern lights are something that I've seen that I mean, are just the uh, same wow. thing. It's, it's one thing to see them, you know, from your backyard or from your cottage here in Ontario, but seeing them from an airplane, again, they take on a different like another an extra dimension right because you're you're kind of viewing something that's still a long ways above you but you're seeing it from the air and you don't have that light pollution from around you right. so we kind of have the option like <clears throat> from the from the cockpit we can just turn all the lights down for a couple minutes and maybe just look outside and um kind of take a look around and take it all in it must so, be surreal yeah, it in many ways it is i mean there's 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 lots of other things um the other day i was just talking about something called saint elmo's fire and uh, as a cloud guy, you can understand. So the clouds are made up of these ice crystals. Um, this is going to sound science-y and boring. And Jenny said, don't ramble on. So I'll try not to. But Oh, no. Um, I like <laughs> <laughs> When you fly through ice crystals, the airplane builds up this really um, kind of intense static charge to it, which is completely safe and completely normal. Um, but what starts to happen is you kind of get a blue glow on the windows of the, of the, of the cockpit. So kind of like if you've ever seen those science spheres that have like the, the electricity in them and you can put your finger and trace oh, yeah. the, the, it's just the same yeah. thing and you can do it. Yeah, the exactly. Science center. You, yeah. You can do yeah. That. Yeah. And so you can do it on the, uh, on the window in front of you. So it's just these blue kind of like fingers of electricity and you can kind of trace them around a little bit. So wow. it's kind of something, I, it's just something a little bit different. It's weird. The first time you see it, you're like, what's, what's happening out my window Should right now? Yeah. And what, what's that name again? St. Elmo's Fire. St. Elmo's um, Fire. So wicked. Yeah. Have you to do with your commercial flights? Or is it just, was this a private flight or is this like you could see it? It, it happens quite a bit. I mean, it happens all the time when you fly through clouds. It's You can really see it at night for the most part. Um, you can kind of see it during the day if you're kind of in a, in a really thick cloud that's kind of dark. But mm. I mean, that's kind of, I guess it's, again, it's the passengers don't necessarily get to see it because we have uh, glass windows up front. So I guess they conduct the electricity a little bit differently. Oh, right. Um, so it's just kind of the way it works out. But that's a cool thing. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. How, how come that doesn't happen um, in the rest of the plane? Like, you know, our windows, like as a passenger. I don't really know. I just think it's the way, because your windows are facing kind of 90 degrees to the airflow and the crystals. I just don't know if that's kind of how the static electricity discharges. Like we kind of get it more up front. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you could maybe see it in some other parts of the airplane. If it was dark enough outside, you might see it glowing. But yeah, I've never really taken a look, but I definitely know that we can see it out the front. So it's kind of, yeah, it's pretty neat, actually. Now, uh, well, that's definitely cool. Oh, sorry to interrupt you, Selena. No, I just, this is really cool stuff. I know, I'm I, I have to go and see this for myself one this day. This is Friday morning <laughs> class for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you being Selena's friend, you, you know, Selena, you know a bit more about this famous pilot. Like, who has a, a you know, a pilot friend? It's crazy. It's like knowing, knowing George Clooney. It's like, know. I know George. Yeah. <laughs> you know Mike. That's crazy. You know, do, do you fly internationally? Do you fly locally? Tell me about your flights. 
Um, for the most part, I it's kind of when I'm choosing the flights I like to do, we can bid a schedule every month. And I usually choose to do flights to kind of get me <clears throat> out and back in the same day. So I'm kind of home for breakfast, home for dinner kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of those flights tend to be international flights out of Florida for us, uh, just because of <clears throat> who I work for and kind of where our destinations are. A lot of that stuff is kind of, yeah, Florida and back. Um, most of the flying I've done throughout my career, though, has been in North America, the Caribbean. What's your favorite place to fly to? Um I think it's it's kind of tough. I mean, every place has its own little kind of special thing to it, I guess. Um, I haven't really done any flying to Europe, so unfortunately, I can't say that. It's one of my favorites, but I imagine it would probably be up there. But oh, yeah. I love the West Coast of the United States. Uh, California and Oregon uh, are particularly beautiful. Probably my favorite destination, though, yeah, in California, I would say is San Diego. I spent a lot of time there in my old job, and um, it's just such a cool city. I think it's very laid back, which kind of goes with my approach to things i think it's i can wear flip-flops in downtown and no one looks at you funny so (laughs) it's kind of a big part um but yeah it's just it's i think california is really beautiful and like i said the west coast in general is really great oregon has just some stunning long beaches you can go on and that kind of stuff too and like it just sounds so well traveled oh my god (laughs) i'm just so fascinated about all this travels like it's not every day that uh, you get to meet someone that traveling is his career you know going to and from yeah, I guess that's true, actually. And, you know, I think that's something I don't want to say people in the industry perhaps take for granted, but almost in a way you do from time to time, because you kind of forget that your job takes you to places that other people don't necessarily get to go to. Right. I mean, and it's and that's just we consider that work. Right. Yeah. And that um, often. Yeah. So, I mean, it's 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 it is, you, you kind of forget that sometimes. And it's, you know, I guess that's either good or bad. But I mean, it's nice to kind of say, hey, yeah, I was in LA this morning, and I'm back in Toronto at home again today. Like it's, it's not, I know it all, it almost sounds like bragging, but it's not, I think sometimes you do just forget that you really are lucky to be able to do these things, I guess. So. And I'm going to add on to that favorite uh, destination question. Do you have it's weird to ask this, but I have to, did you have like a favorite airport to take off or land it? Um, it's, I think I do. I mean, home is always kind of sometimes your favorite place to go. Um, I mean, I really enjoyed Vancouver is a beautiful airport to fly into. You kind of get this transition from the Pacific ocean to the mountains. It's just, again, it's pretty, it's just gorgeous out there. Um, sometimes Toronto is my favorite place to fly into because it means I'm home if I've been gone for a few days. Um, yeah, it's, I know it sounds pretty simple, but I mean, it's just, I, sometimes those are the, your favorite places. They're also kind of easy places to fly into. They're familiar to you. Um, you kind of know the ins and outs, maybe the different nuances of the airports themselves. Um, if they have their own kind of challenges and that kind of stuff. So that's true. Like, do you know airports pretty well, like where to go inside of them? No? Yeah, you, you tend to get to know them quite a bit. I mean, again, it depends on your schedule. Like I think there was an entire year. I think all I did was fly Toronto to Miami and back. So, I mean, I started to get to know Miami really, really well. <laughs> <laughs> if I ever get lost in calling you then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, so, I mean, it, it is, it is kind of fun because you do get to know some, yeah, some pretty cool places. Um, one that I will say in the Caribbean is St. Martin. And if you guys oh, watch the YouTube videos of place. people who, <laughs> I love that. So, you know, I love that. Yeah. So St. Martin's probably one of my favorite spots to go into uh, as well in the Caribbean. It's, it's stunning. It's a challenging airport at times. Uh, the scenery is great. Everyone's on the beach watching airplanes land. So yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool as well. I think so. I do have a, a question about something that I don't really understand because being in a plane, you're like, okay. Are they? Are you guys always holding on to the steering wheel, or there's a thing called autopilot that we hear of? Like, how does that work? 
Um, so basically, I mean, it's, it's funny. The airplanes I started flying didn't have autopilot, so you do everything yourself. And <clears throat> I think it becomes a skill unto itself, um, just like operating an autopilot really is. So that's a question I think a lot of people ask. Yeah. So it's a newer type of technology, autopilot? It's, no, autopilot's been around for a long time, but it's such an expensive okay. technology that having it on smaller airplanes that you're learning to fly on doesn't really make sense. Okay. Um, the big thing about autopilots, um, from kind of from our perspective, and when you first use one, you don't like it because you're so used to doing everything yourself. You want the airplane to go there. You know how to point it in that direction. Whereas the mm -hmm. autopilot at first kind of seems like an extra step. It's like, okay, well, I have to tell something else to tell the airplane where to go. It's like, I know how to get there. Yeah. But the reality is when you get into flying larger airplanes uh, with passengers on board, as much as I hate to admit it, the autopilot um, probably does a better job of flying the airplane in terms of how smoothly it does things. Like it, it notices trends better than, you know, our eyes do or our kind of our inner ear would notice. Mm -hmm. um, but the big thing too, is that the workload management, it really, again, flying feels easier the longer you've done it. But I mean, the reality is that having a little bit of help, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, a big one for us is if you do have an emergency, uh, for the most part, we still let the autopilot fly the airplane because that allows one of the pilots, because there's usually there's two for the most part, a captain and first officer. Um, that allows for one person to monitor the autopilot and make sure the airplane's flying where you want it to go while the other person is troubleshooting or going through checklists to solve a problem. So it's definitely necessary and it does make your lives a lot easier um, kind of as you get through your career to the point where, again, some people would argue it, but you do kind of lose some of those skills that you had when you were first learning how to fly. So your stick and rudder skills, which are kind of your, your basic flying skills since we don't use them as much, you kind of lose them a little bit or they're not as sharp as they once were, which doesn't mean we're unsafe in any way, but it just means that, I don't know, I guess when we get to kind of full, fully autonomous cars, like when Tesla finally mm -hmm. makes their autopilot work all the time, I think you'll see that something similar like that. I guess that's the, maybe the closest correlation I could give. And it is, it is really nice to have like to the point now where we do it. So the takeoff, we fly ourselves. We can usually turn the autopilot on uh, about 400 feet into the air. We can turn the autopilot on mm -hmm. and then the autopilot will land the airplane um, in foggy conditions and conditions where we might not be able to see as much as we normally really? do. Yeah. So yeah. the autopilot will land the airplane and it's, it's been around for a long time. So um, for an airplane that I fly, we have to be able to see the runway at 50 feet. So if you think about 50 feet, it's not really that far. And when you're traveling at a couple hundred miles an hour, 50 feet goes by pretty quick. Yeah. So as long as we can see part of the runway at 50 feet above ground, we can allow the autopilot to continue and land the airplane for us. Um, there's more advanced autopilots and bigger airplanes where you'd never really see anything. You might just see a couple runway lights in the airplane. I'll touch down. Like it's one thing to read about it and understand the process, but to actually see it do it, you're like, oh. All right, all right, this works. This is good. <laughs> it's same, same thing is, I guess, when you get into a the first time you get into a Tesla, and it's like driving yeah. for you, like, what is this? What's it? Oh, okay, this is pretty cool. This is pretty yeah, cool. making a like, left turn I for me. In, all right, yeah, like, I haven't been in one. That have you been in one that does it? I like, have, I haven't... and it's so cool. Oh, yeah, Elon It'd Musk so took weird. me home many a time in the U.S. <laughs> 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 uh, who's driving tonight, Elon? Don't worry about it. <laughs> good old pal. Yeah. Do you, like speaking about these checklists, um, what's the routine like? What do you go through 
Um, so it, you kind of you kind of develop, I guess, your own routine. There is still a very strict routine that you're going to follow, but I mean, you kind of develop your own things that lead up to it. I mean, for me, it's like have to get my Starbucks coffee. So I need to show up at the airport. <laughs> I need to go to the Starbucks get my. Is coffee. this like a superstition that like you know people have like I need to do this and you know Mike the pilot like Starbucks and he knows where all the best ones are. Oh yeah. <laughs> to listen to the rest of the episode or for more episodes of the Famous Friends podcast, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite streams. Discovery, the radio show for podcasters, exclusive to 105.9 The Region. Expand your audience and extend your reach. Send us your podcast, info at 1059theregion.com.